have like an expectation mm-hmm. of of performance so you know if you're not hitting that expectation then i i think i let you know by you know not being interested you know uh rather than you know cuz most of the athletes i've worked with in my career i would say that's the kind of a common thread amongst them like you don't need to beat them up because as soon as they sense that they're off targets like they're already mad at themselves so getting like bringing that further is never productive or it hasn't been a strategy for me Did you know that we each lose a different amount of electrolytes in our sweat largely based on our genetics? That means that there's no one-size-fits-all perfect sports drink for everybody because we each have unique needs. That's why we at Solpre developed the Sync Hydration System, a series of sports drinks to help match you with the personal level of electrolytes that you need. If you'd like us to help you match with your perfect sports drink, go to solpre.com slash hydration dash quiz. That's solpre.com slash hydration dash quiz. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is the founder and CEO of Rep Performance. He's been a strength coach for nearly 20 years, working at the Olympic level, the NHL NHL level. Um, That's hockey. Uh, If you can't hear me pronounce uh, pronounce things right, Uh, he's been with uh, youth. He's worked on Team Canada Special Olympics uh, powerlifting coach. Welcome to the show, Callan McGibbon. Hey, Jesse. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, I can imagine I've had a number of coaches over my lifetime of training and a number of coaches when I was in school. And you kind of remind me a little bit of one of my first coaches just as it's very like cool demeanor you know the other some coaches that are like real high energy all the time and which that's one coaching style but i remember he was um just a cool customer i guess i would say like it it would take a lot for him to i'll say get excited or like to yell at you it would just be like so i'm a distance runner so we would be like you know doing laps or whatever just run around and be like good job just <laughs> so you kind of you kind of give me that those vibes of demeanor um and i i liked him very much so um i i feel like you probably have maybe a similar presence with the uh, the youth that you work with uh yeah i guess so i very much uh have like an expectation mm-hmm. of of performance so you know if you're not hitting that expectation then I, I think I let you know by, you know, not being interested, you know, uh, rather than, you know, because most of the athletes I've worked with in my career, I would say that's the kind of a common thread amongst them. Like, you don't need to beat them up because as soon as they sense that they're off targets, like they're already mad at themselves. So getting, like, bringing that further is never productive or it hasn't been a strategy for me. So I've always been just kind of like, you know, a, a cool kind of calm collective type presence. Um, and then if there's something that's great, I'm like, good job. 
uh, I don't get overly excited. At times I do when there's like big achievements, but uh, I also don't like to over celebrate because, you know, it's, I always tell the athletes I work with, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that, what I mean by that is your career. You know, obviously there are certain sports that are distance sports and certain sports that are power sports and so on, but right. the career itself is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you get excited about little achievements or like everyday things, um, you know, you'll quickly burn out <laughs> because it doesn't, it, it takes years. So I, I kind of just keep this kind of, level spot and i like to be a level spot for the athlete you know or whoever i'm coaching i like to be kind of on the level so that if things are going offside in their lives like i'm not all over the map so they're able to kind of bring stuff to me and know that i'm level-headed and i can talk about something that might be happening completely outside of the training session right like at home or maybe they're new to parenthood or whatever they're you know maybe they're they they're thinking they're going to lose their spot on a team or something, right? Like there's all kinds of emotions. So if I'm pretty stable, then they'll talk. Right. Yeah. You know, it makes me think about, um, like you mentioned, the kind of lack of negativity as a necessity for many of the athletes you've worked with and many athletes I've spoken with, um, from amateurs to Olympians kind of say the same thing. It's like, there's plenty of self-motivation and I don't know specifically with my, my show, it may be a matter of just like self-selection on who I'm able to talk to uh, or in, invite to talk to me, I guess. But it, it seems like there's plenty of motivation to perform. So it's like, you don't, you already knew you screwed up. You don't need the piling on, but like it, it makes me think about the contrast between that and I'll say, I'll say like the mainstream idea about like a coach. And I, I think, um, I don't know a whole lot about like the inner workings of like hockey culture, but with the U S you know, football is a big thing. And there's this, there's this like almost like iconoclastic, figure of a football coach who's just like berating his players about how horrible they are and that's the way to motivate them like to get basically to get the coach to shut up it's like you've got to work hard enough for him to like stop telling you that you're a piece of shit and it's like is that i just think about the the dichotomy between that right it's like it's an entire shift between motivation by like cessation of that negativity versus like positive reinforcement, even just a, like a little, like with my coach, a little good job. You know, if you just get the lap right or whatever. Um, and it just makes you wonder, is it even possible to like shift our cultural attitude towards your direction versus that more, you know, I guess common or thought of trait of like, tearing people down to make to build them back up i think it's a uh it's a necessary shift in society so as you know you watch generation to generation and their behaviors and trends and the way they deal with um like challenges and and obstacles 
I personally see that the the generations coming are much more aware of their feelings and they've been raised in that way because you know their parents were very like you know they were put in scenarios where they were maybe berated or or torn down to be built up and they didn't like how it felt a lot of times so and some maybe did but i think the majority like didn't and if if i'm wrong then this next generation i don't know where that behavior is coming from <laughs> but so I, I i don't believe that i'm wrong from the standpoint of saying that you know i think 80 percent of youth involved in you know sports or athletics or whatever that are parents now or older now and like let's say the 40 to 55 year in range um i don't think a lot of them felt like that was really beneficial whether it would be in the in the home in a parenting standpoint or in a coaching sport standpoint so we raised kids that were much more aware of their feelings and we raise them by being aware of their feelings ask them more questions about how they feel and if you stay in that old guard coaching style um you're not moving with the times and and the the kids are coming up and they're much more aware of uh how they're feeling and 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 how their the way they act impacts those around them and and i would say that they're they're much more just naturally anxious and uh, they're more prone to anxiety than my generation was and you know and that's their challenge when my generation had challenges right <laughs> their generation has challenges and so as a coach i want to try to adapt to that and as a business leader i want to try to adapt to that as younger people come into the company like you can't you know, I just, I just lead them way different than I would have, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, now I'm maturing, but also they're just different. You know, mm. they're just, they're changing. So if the goal is to have for the people you're with to achieve whatever they're, they've come to you to achieve, whether it be a, somebody on an Olympic team or come, somebody who's coming to kind of just get in better shape, whatever the case may be, um, they're already motivated, <laughs> which you've alluded to. So you don't want to turn that off ever. Like you want to keep that going strong, right? So you have to adapt and be able to speak to them in a way that they stay that way, right? That they don't get down. And, and that's hard to, hard, to, hard to change So for some people like in coaching, right? It's hard for them to think about doing it a different way. You know, I, I hear this sentiment and... I want, you know, I, there's two sides to this thought. So like you're talking about the generation coming up, being more aware of the feelings. Um, it makes me think about in a, in a broader sense, like the kind of cause and effect of how each generation is raised, how they adapt, how the world changes, how that affects how they raise their children and, and these shifts that happen over generations of people. What I think is difficult is number one, being aware enough on a kind of macro scale to see maybe why that's happening, why these changes are happening, if they're positive or negative, because I think you often get like this pushback from older generations to the younger generations. You always hear like, it's not a new thing. It's not going to go anywhere. You always hear things like, ah, oh, the, the young people don't want to work. They're lazy. They're this or that because, because they're unlike me. Like, yep. I mean, you go back through 
newspapers for decades and it's the same story over and over and over again and again it's it it, it it's not unique to to this day and age so like you see that but then clearly things are changing and you hope i guess i hope as an optimist things are improving for each generation like that's that's our goal i guess right is we want successive generations to be doing better than the previous one. So I, I wonder about the like our ability to adapt to the changes, but also to recognize our place in the cycle of change, I guess, and then be able to adapt ourselves. Like you said, it, it, sometimes it's hard for like, I'll say old guard, which is always changing in and of itself, old guard coaching or whatever to adapt to new employees, new athletes, new mindsets, and, and figure out how to bring them to the place where they want to go. Yeah, that's the, uh, well, that's the, that's the trick to championships, right? <laughs> can, can, can you get them, uh, can you find a way to unlock every single member of your team's 100% potential, you know, all the time? They believe in themselves, they want to do it for you and they want to do it for their teammates and there's nothing in the world that's going to stop them or distract them from that focus so and negative thoughts are the you know the uh whatever the garlic to a <laughs> to a, a vampire right like negative thoughts are like the they're the they they crush all that immediately the, the, the kryptonite to the their kryptonite yeah yeah yep their, their kryptonite to motivation well articulated so Thanks for saving me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I saw where you were, saw where you were going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. So, um, good team. So that's uh, that's the thing. You got to keep it. Uh, you got to keep that going. That positivity, and it's it's hard. I, I read the Daily Stoic, and I mean, there's quotes in there from Hippocrates and stuff from like you know 500 years ago, and it's the same thing. It's the same, you know, talking about they're just talking about the human condition back then. So it's like you said, you it's it's been going on forever right and how do you how do you take the best of what of from my generate the way i was brought up and you bring the, the positive things forward and then but you got to make sure you get rid of the things that you know we're we've we've learned there's a better way mm -hmm. right and you got to adapt into those better ways you know so that's a cool part of coaching yeah it's neat or leading companies whatever it's the same thing Right, they're they're pretty analogous. Um, so one critique uh, from one of my like friends, business mentors, thinking about uh, you, you know talking about the kids, quote unquote, um, today being more aware of the feelings. He suggests you know what it, or asks the question, not necessarily suggests, but asks the question: Is it possible to be too aware? Of your feelings like too wrapped up in exactly how do i feel and i, and I will give uh, an example using myself um a running example and I, I talked about this before one of my coaches in college i used to be like i'm a big proponent of rate of perceived exertion like how hard am i working how do i feel yeah. using that to pace yourself all those kind of things and i got very very good at it um when i was in kind of my peak of my running fitness like i could you know, you tell me to run whatever split, I could do it 
almost within a tenth of a second sometimes. Um, usually more like closer to a second. But anyway, um, so very intent on how do I feel? And I got really wrapped up in this. And I was talking about all these nuances and this feels this way and this feels so. And then my coach looked at me and said, Jesse, do you know why stupid people run faster than you? I'm like, like what? Like, what are you talking about right now? He says, because they don't think about how much it hurts. They just run. And it makes you think about like, I think it's important to know how you feel, but there is potentially a limit. So I guess I'd like your thoughts on, do you agree with my coach in that thought? Um, is there a limit to like being too involved in your feelings or is there like a breakthrough side where you become this kind of like master of your feelings and then, you know, you're, you kind of like a, new, a master of this new domain. I think uh, there's a difference between like, like training and maybe competing. And so for me to interpret that would be when you train, I think it's very important to understand like what you're doing, how you're doing it, how it's feeling. Like I'm a big proponent of RPs, like our software, like in our company, like it uses RPs to, to progress kids. Mm -hmm. So uh, like I'm a big, huge proponent of it, but when there's like, that's different than like a competitive like uh environment where i'm doing something to win uh when i'm doing something to win uh i'm not thinking or feeling anything like i'm so into the moment that like that's all that matters and nothing is going to distract me from doing whatever it takes to accomplish the goal which would be winning so i think those are i interpret them a little different i like it when you know, people are aware of how they're feeling in a training environment. And when it's time to perform, then that's what that tra the training gave you the ability to confidently know you can just go as hard as you want and you'll be fine. You know, like you just go, don't worry about anything. You've done all the work. Now it's time to go just unleash yourself. So that's where I see it. But yeah, I think there can be a time when you're too aware for sure. Depending on the context. Yeah, right. Right. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the, the whole point of like all this content is, you know, the, you know, I do, I do a show where I just talk about running comes out on the YouTube channel where this will be. Um, so if you're not on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash soul free, um, you check out the other stuff as well. Um, but you know, I answer a lot of questions about like, is this good? Is that bad? Is this, it's like every video is basically well, it depends what, yeah. you know, like it depends, you know, what, what's your situation? Where are you at? What's this thing? What's that thing? It depends. You know, it's like saying, well, is chocolate cake bad. Well, it depends, you know, it, it might actually be good if you've been like, so if you're like in a super calorie deficit and you've been so hard on yourself, you're super stressed you might just need like a piece of chocolate cake might be a pick me up you need to help you just relax. And that can help bring you back to a good place. Like there's an example of like where chocolate cake might be good, but then if you only eat chocolate cake, that's all your diet is. Well, that would clearly be bad. You know, it's like, it depends. And I don't know, that's off on a tangent now about chocolate cake, but <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the interesting thing about like coaching or helping people. Right. It's like, you 
you can sometimes like you can suss out the answers but like there's no way to quite just like replace yourself with like a piece of software or automation like uh, just go go click in the things in the in the software it'll tell you what to do yeah that part is uh not possible <laughs> you just gotta you gotta feel and learn well that's kind of like learning right like that's the process like that's the education of growth and that's you moving forward you know just that's a great definition of growth right movement so so i mean you're that's growth you're learning you're figuring things out you're trying to understand what works for you and each you know silo of your life and you're trying to apply more things that work so that you continually grow and move in a forward direction yeah Sometimes they're hard decisions. Sometimes they're easy, but that's learning. Yeah, um, I, I, I am. I do realize I'm, I'm remiss a little bit. I do want to back up. We're I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in, something like that. I, I should. We should have started with. I got. <laughs> I got off on my own tangent. We should have started with, uh, with me asking you, what does rep performance actually do? Because we've kind of been dancing around what oh. it is that you do, but we didn't. We didn't cover that for the listener. Because I already have the background, um, so just to give you, uh, I guess, a moment to stump for for what it is you guys do, and you know what you spend your time on. So, um, well, I've been a like a strength conditioning coach in Canada for, I guess, almost two decades now, and I've worked with, you know, a diff- bunch of different levels in the Olympics, and I do some uh, NHL player contract training as well in the off season, and about. Five years ago, I started um, a company where I I got addicted early on in the training industry to like the fact that no matter what state someone came into a, a workout, because I also own like another high performance training company, and no matter what state someone came in, they always left happy. And for me, it was like that addiction over like I'm very fortunate I've been able to achieve like a couple of Olympic gold medals and stuff with team Canada and some cool stuff. But what's the addiction for me wasn't necessarily the performance indicators or that high athlete level. I was just good at math and a good coach. So I was able to, to get myself to that level. But um, I was, I really was passionate about just the, the, the energy shift in people when they would exercise. So I'm like, you know what, I want to make a bigger impact. So uh I, I started a company um, that provides software to phys ed programs um, in education that gives kids an individualized fitness pathway. So it meets them wherever they are in their, their athletic development, and then it matches their current skill sets, and it provides them programming uh, for them to develop at their own speeds. Because I just... You know, we're coming out of school and we have all these skills and I've made a massive amount of my career through athletics, right? But it's such a finite percent of the population. Like it doesn't really represent uh, the people, right? It's this thing that we look at and we kind of idolize and we may get inspired by in some ways, but their work volume and what they're doing is not, not relatable to a a regular human being who might work as an accountant or a construction worker or a teacher or whatever, right? Um, an IT person, you name it. So like, and 
if you think about phys ed, right? Like, I think right now, because of uh, coming out of a pandemic, only 19% of North Americans are participating in recreational activities, you know, more than once per week. And that's not enough to even stay healthy. Like, that's not enough movement to stay healthy. So that means that this education that we're getting in schools, this, you know, learn how to play sports, is really not equipping kids with any skills to understand how to be healthy for life. So what our software does is gives teachers this ability to uh, use an assessment and use our AI to then design fitness programming for kids, individualized to their skill levels. And then they can learn and grow at their own speeds and, and try things that they would like to try, you know, maybe it's a piece of equipment they'd like to check out or an exercise they want to try and they can learn and explore and build the skills to actually understand how to make their own programming and take care of their health. And that's a skill that's transferable for the rest of their lives. You don't need a, a basketball court and 10 friends to stay in shape, right? You need, you know, your living room floor. <laughs> and uh, so that's what our company does. And it's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool stuff get to talk to lots of phys ed teachers or all over the friggin' place and uh, get lots of kids working out every day, which is a huge impact, way more than training one person an hour. It's like, you know, training thousands of people an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Through the software. So it's pretty cool. So that's what it is anyways. Yeah, I, I think it's a really cool um, initiative. I hope it has the impact you're looking for because clearly, you know, societally, I'll say North America as a whole, the U.S., Canada, uh, probably Mexico as well, though I don't know the stats on Mexico very well. Um, you know, obesity rates keep rising. So clearly something is amiss. And, and to say something, I think, is a little disingenuous because I think it's there are lots of cofactors. I don't think it's just, you know, oh, the soda industry is destroying America's health or, oh, McDonald's is to blame or, uh, you know, or we go Canada. To, to Tim Hortons is making everybody fat, or whatever. You know, like it's not just. It's there's no one not. single thing. Um, but yeah, I, I I often think about friends or um, acquaintances who you know played team sports growing up, or even collegiately, and then you go post collegiate, and I have this conversation about like, what do you do after sport with people sometimes because there's this like drop off, you know, Olympians, collegiate athletes, high school athletes, they all kind of go through the same thing um, I, to different degrees. Obviously, if you're, if you're an Olympian, you probably spent a fair more amount of time doing your thing, but it's, you get this drop off, I think in part, just like this lack of infrastructure, which I think is what you're speaking to. They're like, the ability to not need infrastructure to continue like your fitness journey is like you said, you just need your living room floor. Like, okay. And even if you don't have your living room floor, like there's a ground outside or whatever, like there's, you know, you have a floor somewhere. Um, so I, I, I think it's an interesting angle. Um, I, I hope it pans out. Um, obviously early days, if you're only five years in to see like what the longitudinal effect is on, you know, all the lives you get to impact. But I, I think it's a probably a, a pretty worthwhile effort. 
Oh, for sure. Um, like we get some pretty wicked data out of the platform already um, that we're seeing. So like 33% of kids work out outside of school hours now. Uh, they, they enter the platform and, you know, maybe do a yoga video with their parents at home or, you know, I mean, access a workout plan at home. So, I mean, there's that. We're seeing a, a much larger ratio of students uh, impacted per, te per teacher. So teachers that are using that platform are generally impacting, I think, depending on what like categorization of like user they are, but the it's around like our champion users are around like 42 students per teacher ratio. The standard classes, you know, 25 to 30 kids, right? So that means that, and what that means real time in the schools is that kids are staying in the program even when phys ed is done and the teachers just you know, pressing a button to generate them new workout plans, right? Or support them even if they're not in their class still. So teachers or phys ed teachers are using it or impacting more students, right? Um, and we're seeing a huge number of growth in the number of students in the platform for school. We have schools that have, you know, over 50% of student body exercising routinely. So these kids are not all in phys ed. The phys ed teachers are just using the platform in order to support the kids and get them fitness training. And they're not even in their classes. You know, they're maybe going to a, like a open gym time at lunch and using the school fitness center or an after school fitness center time, right? Or before school. So we're seeing, we're seeing it already. We're seeing the, the fitness center in a high school turning into a, almost like a, like um, a community center that's, that's supporting this, this community of a school that's going there and exercising as opposed to this spot for the athletes to go and train for sport because there's such a small percentage of student body right the attrition rate in canada from grade nine which is the last year of mandatory phys ed to grade 10 is 63 <laughs> percent right so you've got 37 percent of kids that are staying in phys ed after it's mandatory in canada um and the majority of those are in a high percentage of that's made up by athletes. So I just think you just stirred something in my head earlier. I thought where it was like, you know, uh, um, uh, literacy levels in North America are on the big, on the, uh, like for people to be illiterate, right? That's on the decline, right? Average household income is on the increase. These are results of high quality education, but obesity is on the increase. So the phys ed, physical education that kids are being exposed to is obviously not working because the basic things that we're getting out of education are making a difference. So we have to get to that level. It's hard. It's a challenge to get into that space and to make a difference at that level. But that's the spot where the real impact is going to be is we need, because then the barriers to entry are all gone, right? Every kid, no matter what, like lifestyle they come from like maybe like one like mine where i came from like my barriers to entry were gigantic so like every kid no matter what the barrier to entry is no matter where they're coming from education quality physical education can at least equip them with the skills to be able to take care of their health for life and then we've got you know john ratey that wrote the book spark where he's proven time and time again that obviously high levels of physical activity produce better academic results. So, I mean, that side of the conversation is already done. You can't even come near someone and say, oh, yeah, physical activity and being healthy doesn't, you know, that doesn't make a difference to your academic scores. It's proven, done. 
end of conversation, right? It's even proven that physical activity and high health improve your personal income. So it's, it's over. The conversation is done. So let's just do something about it. Let's equip them with the skills they need, you know? So that's what we're doing and, and it's and it's working right we're we're watching it work now so and like you said we're in we're two years into the we're three years in beta like building platform and now we're two years this is our third year of you know releasing it into the commercially like into the education landscape right and teachers are looking like phys ed teachers are they're you know coaches <laughs> you know and uh, and they're they're very much aware of the shift like a lot of schools have in canada they're called paf personal fitness classes and they're like outpacing registration wise like the standard ppl up here like standard phys ed class like they're just there's no comparison kids are signing up like they want to learn how to because they see their parents doing it they don't see their parents playing soccer five nights a week to stay fit they watch it on tv that's what athletes do that's not what your mom does if she you know runs her own you know retail store she probably works out. Mm -hmm. So you have a kid looking at a parent doing exercise and are like, okay, well, that's how you take care of your health. And then you go to school and you learn how to play dodgeball. And you're right. like, well, that's not what my mom does to stay fit. She goes to the gym. <laughs> she goes to the YMCA or she follows a class on YouTube. Like, so there's this huge gap <laughs> like of, and, and kids understand why math is important because if your parents are, talking about a budget at the dinning room table they're talking mm -hmm. about numbers the kids understand that there's a reason to take chemistry because maybe their parents are you know working in medical industry and they use those skills or they're engineers so they, uh, there's a, a sight line for me as a kid to see okay this is why this is important i see it i can see my parents use this later in life maybe this course i feel like is dumb because i can't see myself using that later in life what well, we need to get that they need to be able to we need to align what they see their parents doing into phys ed, so they're like, okay, well, this makes sense. I see my mom do it. I see my dad do it. Yeah, I'm going to do this too. You know? So that's the mission. So then, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but is, 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 it, is it motivated, like we were talking about before we got recording, is it motivated by where you grew up? We talked about you grew up in a rural area. Really, there was just, there was no infrastructure for sport. Because I asked you, well, do you have a sport background? And you're <laughs> like, no. No, I don't. And so, so yeah. I mean, is that because so are you are you I mean, this is so one of my undergrad majors is psychology and often there's the joke about uh, psychology majors get into psychology because they need to like heal themselves. So is that what you're trying to do here? Are you trying to like put you on Callum? Well, maybe for sure. Like uh, that's a cool perspective on it. I mean, I didn't I definitely grew up in a, so like, I'm pretty transparent about my life. So I grew up in a, a trailer park in, you know, Northern Ontario, which I mean, trailer parks are great. There's nothing wrong with them in Northern Ontario. There's lots wrong with them though, because like, you know, it goes 30 below. So all the water freezes in the wintertime. My mom used to have to crawl underneath it and try to thaw them out with candles and treble lights and stuff. And, you know, it was not, uh, wasn't easy. You know, I never felt like it was hard though. Like my, my mom was never super optimistic positive person like i never felt like i was gone without anything but she always believed in exercise you know we would go and get like, like stuff people were throwing in the garbage like at the end of their driveways or whatever right like 
I remember we got like the twister. I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember that thing. It was like a little disc and you stood on it and you, you were like this. It was for core. Like, uh, like the stepper when it first came out, it had no handles, no nothing. It was just two hydraulic mm-hmm. pistons on like uh, two paddles. Um, like uh, we had like the ab, the, the, the thigh master to put this mm-hmm. thing between your knees and you squeezed it. Like we just get all these things that people would chuck in the garbage, right? And uh, we would just use them. And she just somehow intuitively knew that like her health was important and it was her responsibility. And I grew up kind of watching her, you know, like we cross country skier, we'd hike or do things like that, that we had access to, cause there was nothing. We, our trailer park was like in the, our very rural area it was in the middle of nowhere. So there was no anything like there was no basketball courts. There's no pools. There was like zero, nothing. Right. Very, very low income poverty. So I guess just, I, and I think because I, I, was healthy i was able to make qualify like very good decisions as a kid when i was in an environment where it would have been easy to make not necessarily great choices but i was in an environment i was such in a good state i was able to think rationally about what the outcomes would be based off what the decisions i was making and you know i was able to kind of i don't say like get out because i mean there was nothing it was great i thought it was great so but i was able to kind of you know excel and and reach pretty like cool spots for me in my career right like i trained some pretty famous nhl hockey players like (laughs) uh so i trained some this morning right like uh and and you don't make it to that level unless you're operating at their level right like you have to be that good to be there so i was i was able to make it and and I've always been happy, you know, and really enjoyed like life. And I've always really enjoyed seeing other people like be happy and get better. And I think it's just a product of just, you know, a lot of it's a product of where I came from. And, and so why would I not want that for more kids? You know, so, cause I'm, I'm obviously not normal. <laughs> to a certain extent right like I'm, I'm right now i'm a like a rare percentage of kids that come from my upbringing to where i am today you know multiple companies and i'm s- successful so i but w- we should have more of them you know it doesn't have to be an anomaly so and i honestly think that there's a fundamental piece to it which is like human health like because it just aligns your mental your mental abilities right all right Callan. so i we could probably keep going uh for a while which i say to a lot of my guests um but um you know we always run down on time which is just kind of the nature of the beast um in an unfortunate reality of life sometimes i guess anyway um so i have a question that i ask every single guest for a particular season um, each season has a different question um, for you. I think I was like hearing everybody's different answers um, because, you know, you have this singular question yet everybody has like either slight variations or sometimes kind of surprising answers. Um, and, and for you, because you're this, you know, pretty like cool, relaxed, chill guy. Um, I'll be interested to see how you answer this question. This season's question is, uh, how do you celebrate your wins? So 
how do I celebrate my wins, eh? Uh, probably not very well. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, probably not very well. I uh, have extremely uh, massive goals. And um, I, I hope I'm not misinterpreting. I really like uh, the Andrew Huberman podcast. I spend, I listen to it quite a bit. And uh, I was just talking with my uh, physical therapist about that yesterday. <laughs> so, and, um, you know, I watched the ones about dopamine quite a bit. And yeah, I kind of naturally like don't get, I don't over, like get overly celebratory just because, uh, you know, there's more to do. And uh, so, I mean, I think I, I put a lot of work into just being happy like with life every day and not looking for like this one thing that's going to like make me like satisfied with life. Like, uh, cause I don't really want to live like that. Like I, um, I want to be happy every day and I want to grow every day. So I, how do I celebrate? I think I celebrate by, um, just, you know, being, uh, happy for, uh, the people around me. It's probably how I probably celebrate. I try to try to be happy for those around me. And then that kind of makes me feel good. And it's great. You know, we hit a big milestone with the company, pretty excited. Cause you know, that's pretty cool to see the team achieve that stuff. That's it in a nutshell. I think I, I probably don't do it well. And the reason is, is cause I don't want to lose my drive for what I want to accomplish in life. And even when I accomplish all the big, huge, lofty goals I have, I will feel great about it because I will look around and see how happy everyone else is around me. And that's like, okay, good job, Cal. Like, way to go, you know? Yeah. That's kind of it. Yeah. Um, Cal, uh, people want to get in touch, see what you're up to, any of that kind of stuff, where can they find you? Pretty, pretty simple. I think, like, the best ways to find me are either through – LinkedIn is pretty much the only social platform that I use. Um, I don't use any of the other ones. But you could just go to our company website, www.repperformanceapp.com. Um, there's like a community email there. You could just send a question or uh, anything you really want. It's cool. Uh, you can talk about and, you know, uh, you want to kind of reach out and support us in any way. I mean, my team works really hard. So, you know, if you're not in physical education uh but just what i shared today struck a chord with you i mean just going on to any of our social platforms and just giving us a hey great job keep going uh that would obviously mean the world to the team so that kind of stuff goes a long ways awesome um thanks for hanging out with me yeah man thanks for having me on it was fun